0: The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash on call. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified.
1: If you get COVID and you're pregnant, you have a higher risk of landing in the ICU, needing mechanical ventilation, or even death.
0: Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine, in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. This episode of Annals on Call features an article titled Inclusion of Pregnant and Lactating Persons in COVID-19 Vaccination Efforts. It appeared in the January 26, 2021 issue of the Annals of Internal Medicine. Joining me on this podcast is Dr. Laura E. Riley, who is a renowned obstetrician specializing in OB infectious disease. She's the chair of the department of OBGYN at Weill Cornell Medicine, and she's the OB and GYN chief at the New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell Medical Center and the first author of this paper. We believe you'll really learn a lot from this podcast. Laura, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this podcast. When I read the ideas and opinion piece that uh, you uh, first authored, I said, this reminds me of so many of my junior colleagues and so many of our residents who are having to make these decisions. And so while I don't take care of pregnant women and lactating women, I know a lot of pregnant women and lactating women, and I'm sure that all of our listeners do too, and they're all trying to make decisions about these things. So I thought it'd be worthwhile to go through the whole concept of vaccination in pregnancy and in lactating women, and then talk specifically about COVID-19. Sure. So I guess the first question is, what is the standard for vaccination in pregnant women?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we recommend a couple of vaccines for pregnant women, One is we recommend the flu vaccine, obviously the seasonal flu vaccine for pregnant women, particularly those pregnant during flu season. The benefit of the flu vaccine is obviously to prevent severe flu. And uh, we know that pregnant women who get influenza have an increased risk of, you know, ICU admission and death. And so, you know, there's a real good reason why you want to try and protect the mother from that. We also know that the flu vaccine, when given to mom, helps mom, but also we know that the antibodies cross the placenta and are protective for newborns. And so studies have been done specifically to to show that protection. And you'll recall that babies can't get influenza vaccine until they're six months of age. So in those first you know, a few months when they could be, you know, quite vulnerable in the midst of flu season, it's great that they have maternal antibodies to protect them. So that's sort of the flu. And then um, Tdap or tetanus diphtheria pertussis, we give that vaccine um, with every pregnancy. And the purpose there is really to protect, although it does protect a mom from whooping cough, It's really also to protect babies from pertussis because we know that babies have a much higher risk of death in the first couple months of life um, if in fact they come into contact with pertussis. It is very difficult to protect babies from pertussis. You may or may not recall sort of back, I don't know, I wanna say maybe 2014, 15, when there were kind of these sporadic pertussis outbreaks babies who were less than the age of two months were the ones who were most likely to get pertussis and then die. And we tried for a long time to try and vaccinate everybody around the baby and that might protect the baby. And actually it was called cocooning. It doesn't work. Somehow the baby would get exposed. But what we know is that if mom gets vaccinated with the pertussis vaccine, the baby then gets protection from mom's passively transferred antibodies. So for that one, you're really, you know, again, protecting the baby as well as the mother.
0: Sounds like the placenta is pretty magic. It, it it allows the good stuff to, to get to the baby.
1: It does, as best we know, but I bet you that there's more going on with mom's immune system and baby's, you know, ability to accept it than just the placenta, but um, actually, it's really interesting science as to, yeah. as to what's happening. We know that at least for Tdap, we give it between 27 and 36 weeks gestation, recognizing that it takes a couple of weeks to get an antibody level, and then you want it on board mm-hmm. um, at the time of delivery. Um, but we also have some good data suggesting that you know if you give it around you know 23, 24, 26 weeks you might actually get an even better antibody response. So there's something that goes on there that we don't quite understand.
0: Knowing a few people who got pertussis as adults, I can't even imagine a baby with pertussis. It's a horrible disease Mm -hmm. and totally preventable these days. Right. I'm glad to hear about that. Uh, What about lactating women? Is there any uh, effect on the baby who's nursing when the mom gets vaccinated?
1: not really i mean in in this in the sense that you know we know that there's some protection you know obviously from those passively transferred antibodies we do give for moms who say are measles non-immune i picked that because i'm in the middle of new york city you know measles non-immune we don't give them mmr during pregnancy because it's a live vaccine and we'd rather not give a live vaccine during pregnancy for the theoretical risks associated with that. So we will give that live vaccine immediately postpartum for women who are breastfeeding and for those who are bottle feeding, it doesn't really matter. And there's no safety concerns at all.
0: If mom needs a vaccine and the baby's breastfeeding, we're not worried that anything adverse is gonna happen to the baby. We're not. Great. So let's get to COVID. Yeah. Uh, And fortunately, we can only have this conversation because we have vaccines finally available. Thank goodness. I was so happy to get my vaccinations. You and Uh, me both. uh, And my wife was happy and my daughter's happy. (laughs) Is this controversial? Uh, I really loved the the paper that you all wrote about uh, the factor. And what I'm really interested in is in the absence of being able to have a large amount of data uh, to to show safety, what what's what was the reasoning you had? Because I know that you're markedly in favor of this. And let me just give you an anecdote. The uh, daughter of good friends of ours uh, was pregnant and uh, did get COVID and had to be hospitalized for about a week. Fortunately, she never had to go to the ICU, but she was sick in bed for about two or three weeks. And uh, one of the things you talk about is that pregnant women are more susceptible to the uh, more severe COVID. Tell us about your thought process and what you're recommending in 2021.
1: I think that the first thing is is that it's a very individual decision, right? So I think that what pregnant women deserve is a true conversation about the risks and the benefits of doing something or doing nothing, right? And I think what we do know is that If you get COVID and you're pregnant, you have a higher risk of landing in the ICU, needing mechanical ventilation, or even death. The absolute risk of that is low, but it's possible, and frankly, we don't have a great idea of who that's going to be. There's no question that women with comorbidities like hypertension, obesity, they're at even greater risk. But... You still can't look at any given person and say, gee, you're going to escape this with just, you know, a little sniffle versus you're going to be 35 weeks with your twins and landed in an ICU. So I think the epidemiologic data that we have managed to accumulate over the last 11 months is pretty convincing that pregnancy and COVID, not a good mix. I think the other thing that is a little less clear is the impact on the baby. I think what we've seen for the most part is that babies aren't getting COVID from COVID positive moms. Some do. It's probably somewhere in the range of three to 5%, but some do come preterm and they arrive preterm because mom's really sick or because mom's really sick and you know the baby doesn't seem to be doing well in there, It's a whole host of reasons why. But at least within um, some of the studies, definitely those in Europe, and then a couple of studies recently in the U.S., it suggests that the preterm birth rate is higher. Another, you know, question that I think is not quite as clear is that there is some data um, outside of the U.S. that maybe stillbirth might be higher as well. So what is clear is that COVID is not good in pregnancy. So then the question is, what can you do about it? Well you and I know that there's no real good treatments for COVID. You know, if you get it, it's not like that magic infusion is coming or it's not even like there's Tamiflu, right? Like if you get exposed, there's nothing we can do. So the vaccine really is our best intervention at this point. And, you know, I am perfectly upfront with patients to say, nope, I can't tell you it's going to prevent you from getting COVID because that's not what the study showed. But both Moderna and Pfizer showed that it could prevent you from getting really, really sick. And I think when you're pregnant and at high risk, that's an important um, intervention to consider. Always upfront, I think patients need to understand that there were no, you know, pregnant women in these trials purposely. We do have some reproductive data. I think we have the animal data, the Dart, the DART data, the developmental and reproductive toxicity data. And for both Pfizer as well as Moderna, that data was very reassuring and showed no concerns about reproductive issues or, you know, fetal malformations, whatever. Rats, I recognize, not humans, but rats. So that's, that's helpful. I think the other thing that's important to recognize is that just the biologic plausibility behind this mRNA vaccine actually being problematic for the fetus just isn't really there. and you know I know my patients are like I read that there were some pregnant women in the in the trials. well, there were 23 women who inadvertently got pregnant in the Pfizer trial and about 12 women who inadvertently got pregnant um, in the Um, Moderna trial. And unfortunately, there's not enough information about those pregnancy outcomes at the moment. And I would say that 30 pregnancies doesn't give me a whole lot of information for me to say, oh, yeah, it's safe. Don't, Don't worry about it. I think it needs to, you know, it's one of those things where you need more data than 30 women. But I think, again, in the absence of the data, it's the question of, you know, what's the benefit? What's the risk? We really do think from a biologic plausibility sort of lens that the risk is low. And I think that the risk of COVID turning out poorly for a pregnant woman is high. The way I think about it, I'd rather go for the vaccine yeah. unless you really feel strongly that you can, you, can, you can protect yourself from getting COVID altogether, which I think has been challenging for people. I don't know what's happening where you are now, but I'd say for the last maybe seven days, I've had at least one to two patients calling saying, I got COVID. I've been in a bubble for the last 11 months, and now today I have COVID.
0: The vaccine's better than the bubble.
1: And I think that that's why healthcare workers who are pregnant are getting vaccinated, because they recognize that the mask is great. The goggles are great. The hand washing, the social, you know, the distancing, everything, it's all great, but it's not foolproof. We need something else.
0: It's interesting. Uh, we have a number of residents in our internal medicine program who have been pregnant, and they've all decided to have the vaccine. How are women responding when you have this discussion with them?
1: Uh, to be to be honest, in my practice of the women who sort of want to talk about it, the vast majority have gotten vaccinated. I think people are very, very concerned about risk, and um, they do not feel completely confident that they're going to be able to protect themselves. And I think that, you know, that's, that's clear data. I think that the unknowns about the vaccine, do we wish that there was a pregnancy trial? I wanted a pregnancy trial long ago. But you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we can't wait for that pregnancy trial to come out as there are, you know, thousands of people dying a day. That's basically
0: where we're at. Yeah, what you just said is brilliant. I want to re-emphasize it. You have to make a decision when the woman's in the room. And if there's not data, then you have to do the best interpretation of what data there are in order to make a decision because you can't say, well, we're going to wait six months to see what happens. No, that woman can't wait six months because she's four months pregnant. What about lactation?
1: That to me is a no-brainer. Just get vaccinated, right? We we use live vaccines. Yeah. When you're lactating, uh, there's no reason that I'm concerned about an mRNA vaccine. I mean, I think, you know, a a patient said to me actually yesterday, which I thought was a very good question. He said, you know, I'm going to go get vaccinated. Like I've heard your your spiel and I've thought about this and, you know, I've thought about the pros and cons and I'm going to go get vaccinated. She's 22 weeks gestation. She said, I'm gonna get vaccinated, no question. She said, what more would we learn from a pregnancy study at this point? And I said, well, we would more rigorously be able to study the safety issues that everyone you know, theoretically is concerned about. We'd be able to understand a little bit better about whether or not there's protection for your baby. Do those antibodies actually cross and protect the baby? How long does that antibody response you know, last? Is there an ideal time during pregnancy that we should be actually, you know, really specifically saying, get it now? And so I think that those are some of the questions that could be answered. But in the meantime, again, it's about the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic.
0: I assume there'll be some observational studies. They may be retrospective, they may be prospective, but women who are getting vaccinated, uh, see how they compare to what normally happens. Uh, Not as good as a randomized controlled trial, but data are better than no data
1: right i mean i i have to say i personally think that you can't do a randomized placebo control trial now i mean it it feels unethical
0: i agree with you 100
1: i mean it just doesn't i think you know an observational trial absolute or several observational trials absolutely so that we can learn more um
0: but yeah and and probably women are getting the vaccine as soon as they have the opportunity to get the vaccine, and so the women are getting it at different stages of pregnancy, and so we might learn something from that. Let's finish up. J&J just uh, applied for uh, emergency authorization, and I think AstraZeneca probably will pretty soon. Those are both uh, live viruses, adenoviruses. Apparently, they're genetic manipulation so that adenovirus cannot replicate uh, and it's just really a delivery system like the mRNA is a delivery system. Uh, have you thought about those in advance uh, and uh, whether you'll, you're going to be as comfortable with those as as you currently are with Pfizer and Moderna?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think biologically we still should be okay. Um, I really, you know, I can't say that I've not seen any of the data or the any, any of the package going to the EUA, into the EUA. So, you know, and I haven't heard about DART data or anything like that. I believe, and I'm not, I, I can't say that I'm a an expert on this, but I thought that there was the, that the Ebola vaccine, one of the Ebola vaccines that has been, you know, definitely utilized for pregnant women uses an adenovirus vector. In which case that actually gives me a nice degree of confidence because, you know, it's already used in another vaccine that we know has been, you know, obviously has been used in pregnancy.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough. Uh, This is such an interesting topic. Every physician I know knows pregnant women. uh, They know lactating women and uh, they get asked questions by friends all the time uh i I was telling somebody the other day i've never been asked more medical questions than i have during the pandemic everybody calls me up uh, all my non-physician friends are always calling me up uh, saying can i do this can i do that what should i do here should i get the vaccine should i not get the vaccine and i think that that you gave us such a well-reasoned and clear explanation of how we should respond when people ask us these questions, That uh, I think this makes it very valuable. This is your uh, last opportunity for advising internists what we should really know in these situations.
1: So I, I would also just like to add one thing, because I think that this comes up all the time. Women who are considering pregnancy or planning a pregnancy, there's sort of this, I don't know, I want to get the vaccine. I mean, we're actually recommending that those women go ahead and get the vaccine. There's no association with infertility and it is far better to be protected than to, you know, have to make this difficult decision once you're pregnant. So I think, you know, that's one thing and hopefully, and, and those women are going to be more in your shop than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, for, for internists listening, it's like, yes, go ahead and give them the vaccine the minute they tell you that they're interested. So that's one, um, one point. The other um, point I'd make is that, I, again, I think that looking at the epidemiologic data, there is data to suggest that pregnancy and COVID is not a good match in which case anything we can do to prevent that from happening and or preventing the severe disease. I think that it's, it's really important that we give that option to women, to pregnant women and, and let them make the decision. Cause I think they're, they're perfectly capable. There's over so far, there's over 50,000 pregnant women who have been vaccinated approximately.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks again. This was uh very, very enjoyable and very educational since my knowledge of pregnant women is uh, more social than uh, medical.
1: It's all fair. We all, we all know somebody who's, who's <laughs> pregnant or had a baby recently.
0: Right. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. Dr. Riley presented very convincing evidence that Pregnancy and COVID-19 are a bad combination. Women are more likely to get very sick, they're more likely to end up in the ICU, end up on mechanical ventilation, uh, and some die. She can find no reason not to vaccinate pregnant women and has conversations with uh, her patients, uh, encouraging them to consider the vaccination. Moreover, she says it's very, very important for women who are uh, contemplating pregnancy to go ahead and get vaccinated prior to being pregnant. Hopefully you learned a lot from uh, this uh, discussion of pregnancy, lactation, and vaccination. I certainly did. Thank you so much for listening. For more episodes of Annals on Call and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org oncall on call. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The information contained in the podcast should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment.